welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 56, released on August 26, 2009. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me is Neil Bailey. G'day, Neil. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. How are you going there? Is summer uh, cooling down for you yet? Yeah, we had a couple hundred and five degree days a little while back, but uh, now it's gotten nice and manageable. It's uh, I've even gone outside and my skin didn't crack. It was nice. Very good. Well, uh, winter is finally uh, coming to an end here, and spring is springing. So uh, almost, almost spring, first of September for us. So uh, not just around the corner. Pretty soon we'll have the same weather for a little while. Yeah, it won't be too dissimilar. Uh, let's get into our discussions. Uh, what's, what do you want to talk about first? Well, it looks like we got uh, Codename Patriot on the agenda. What's uh, what's your thoughts on that series so far? Yeah, it's uh, um, well, it, I mean, I think it's just an extension, a, a continuation of where we've been going with all the the comic books, the Superman comic books, uh, Action Comics, Superman, uh, New World of New Krypton, um, and they're all kind of just converging now. All those stories coming together, and uh, I'm enjoying it. It's good to see that. You know, uh, it's it's almost like a Stephen King novel in a way. You've got all these characters going along on their journeys in separate ways, and you know they're going to come together eventually, and it's nice to see that eventuation. Um, so it's good to see Superman, um, you know, c- crossing paths with uh, Kara and, uh, you know, Monel and um, Nightwing and Flamebird and all those kinds of things starting to come together. So I'm enjoying the crossover so far. Yeah, it's got this kind of feel like, it, it seems like Codename Patriot was supposed to be an event, you know, with like a capital E, but it doesn't feel like an event, it feels like the whole darn thing has been an event, and I think that's kind of what we're looking for in the Superman comics. It's like, uh, it seems like the natural course of things, the story that flows into the next part, which is just, it's great after so many years of drive-bys, people pop in and do 12 issues and then disappear, and nothing would impact the next series. We've had about what, almost two solid years now where everything relates to itself, or uh, is it about a year and a half, maybe? I don't yeah, know. Something like I that. could be off. Yeah, but it's like every every story is related to the last story. We started Brainiac, and then we got New Krypton, and now we've got the uh, world of New Krypton, and, and it seems like it's just going to be this this great series of stories that you could read and trade and enjoy. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm enjoying that it's, con- you know, all the connectivity, uh, that and, you know, that things aren't just thrown out the window, like you said, um, I was reading a, an entry into the um, Ask Matt fan forum that we, you mm-hmm. know, questions that have been sent in, and this is not one that we've posed yet to Matt, but uh, will possibly be in the next uh, s- section of questions that he does answer. And it was re- in regards to that whole thing about uh, when Chris Kent uh, destroyed Lois and Clark's apartment, you know, they had this whole new jazzy setup of, you know, windows, interactive windows that would lead straight to the <laughs> Fortress of Solitude. And, and, you know, that's all just gone way, you know, out the window, you know, to use the pun, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, so there's kind of things that happened in the past that, you know, recent past that haven't been connected connected to these stories, but it's nice to see that since Jeff Johns has come on board with James Robinson and all those kind of stories are connecting together, like you said, and we're getting a narrative that's just, you know, going along nicely, it's a linear um, story, and uh, all these pieces are connecting together. Yeah. Oh, you know, and I did notice that they're, they're not, it's not like, um, like, usually it's been like they, the new artist steps in and is like, well, you know what, I'm going to completely disregard what was going in the past. Or sometimes you'd get uh, distinctively different Supermans at the same time, um, like, unlike now where they're kind of all communicating, but uh, we'd have the Chuck Austin Superman threatening to pop people's heads <laughs> off, and then you'd have the Brian Azzarello emo Superman, and then you'd have the normal Superman that everybody knows in the Rucka run or whatever, you know, but... Uh, it's um they they aren't spitting on it. They got the um they got the I've seen the Clark Kent the new Spiffy apartment a couple of times in uh, in Action Comics and also in the uh, in the annual. I think it was the Action Comics annual. They they had it. Um, they've kind of got. It was funny. They had it set up so that you could look from the Daily Planet like straight down into Clark Kent's apartment. You know, it's like <laughs> oh boy, that's a bad move. But uh, yeah, at least there's some kind of cohesion, I guess. I, I do. I agree with you that a lot of what Busiek did has been discarded. Um, personally, that doesn't really bother me that much because there was nothing around there that seemed kind of lasting to me. Um, right now, it seems like all the books are working cohesively together as a unit, and that's something that I've kind of been dreaming of for about ten, fifteen years now. Yeah, the only thing I'm probably not um, enjoying or really understanding is Lois's reaction to Kara. And her, oh. and you know, Superman just going along with, uh, you know, her um, 
you know, adamant point of view that Caro shouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be going alone here or, you know, and he just takes, you know, it, it just seems did to you, be uh, a bit out of character. Did you read the uh, Supergirl thing where she basically, I think it's basically because uh, Supergirl ended up killing Lucy Lane on accident. Um, but yeah, even so, it seems out of character for Lois because, you know, they kind of turned against Pete when he was ruined. It's kind of the thing, you know, like you, you step over that line and start killing people, you're kind of the black sheep of the family for a little while, yeah, you know? Not only that, but uh, Kara's, you know, kind of been uh, validated with the fact that now Lois knows that Sam Lane isn't dead, and so she knows that there's something nefarious going on, but yet she's, right. you know, doesn't seem to want to give Kara the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, and and Kara is kind of evolving as a character in that respect, and it, and it seems like uh, Sterling's done a lot of work towards that. Um, I'm hoping she'll have some big role to play in whatever happens towards mm. the end of New Krypton, and it will potentially redeem her in Lois's eyes. But yeah, Lois has been kind of a less of a focus, hasn't she? Except for in action comics, where she kind of uh, takes care of Chris there for a little while. Mm. But uh, yeah, interesting times ahead. Uh, Codename Patriot is going along nicely. And, um, oh yeah, the, the numbering, the shield numbering starting over again kind of irked me, but, uh, I guess they're doing that as a, you know, each story has its own numbering sequence. Yeah. You know, actually, I kind of, I kind of like that. It, it, before, you'd have, like, errors and it would throw off the whole thing. Like, I, I can remember when they did that, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it even, um... But uh, they had the, the the thing where they found the guy underground, and it and it the numbers go wrong. So every time I'm reading the old back issues, it always gets messed up. But uh, and they did it a couple of times, especially when Loeb took over, and they weren't really paying as much attention to the uh, to or Braganza took over, and they weren't paying as much attention to the to the numbering. Yeah. It would just suddenly go wonky. Um, but you know, with each storyline going with each storyline, it kind of makes sense a little bit. Um, because then you can know, oh, those 26 issues are going to cover this saga, and then this is going to cover this saga. Yeah, and guess. then they're kind of, you know, but but see, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I kind of like the idea of knowing... Like, if, say, for instance, yeah. you've got a 2009 comic with a number one, and then you've got another 2009 comic with a number one, you're going to be going, right. uh, okay, well, is this in... You're going to have to look at the dates more, you know, the, the actual uh, month that right. it came out in, which uh, before you didn't really have to do that. Yeah, and with only nine covers, if they do the nine <laughs> stories, they're gonna they're not even gonna be able to have that colored background. But uh, I don't know. I think I, I think uh, the trades will probably fix that. I hope it, before it was the numbering system helped so that because there were no trades necessarily for for those long runs, and that was the mm -hmm. only way you could get that protracted story. And now it's pretty pretty guaranteed that all these things are gonna be traded up. Yeah, I'm gonna be interested how they're gonna continue this dual numbering with adventure comics. So they did they just do it for the first issue? And put the uh, what I read, I don't know if uh, it might have been um, on another site. I can't remember, but from what I was reading, um, Adventure Comics is going to do the first six issues, kind of establishing Connor, and then uh, after that, it's going to join the numbering system. Yeah, I just meant that they had uh, the as a number one, and then they had five. What was it? Five two set five one four, whatever the numbering was, harkening back to the old Adventure Comics series, as if this was like a the next oh, issue the continuation. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't see that. that. I guess I didn't look close close enough to the uh, to the new issue. So they have the actual old numbers on the top. Yeah, uh, with the number one. Just let me open up the issue here on the computer, and I'll tell you what uh, issue it was they put with it. Um, where are we? Uh, here we go. Adventure Comics, and it was number one, but they also had with it number five oh four. So, huh. uh, which is obviously the continuation. Five oh three was obviously the, where the original. Adventure Comics series ended, and uh, right. so they've got this as number one, obviously meaning the new, you know, new era, but also had a numbering of five oh four, which obviously means that it's, you know, obviously the next step in the in that uh, old series. But uh, yeah, I wonder if they're going to continue on. Will number two actually have a five oh five? numbering on it as well so right we'll wait and, see and, and to clarify for our fbi listeners um you mean the summary of that issue right not an actual illegal digital copy right no i meant our review i, I was actually looking at right, review right. barry fryman who uh, reviewed adventure comics <laughs> um actually noted down it was uh, numbered 504 as well so yeah it wasn't right. i don't have any digital copies on my computer of course. No, no. Anyone who would do that like, uh, would be guilty of some kind of evil internet piracy. And we can't ever, yeah. ever, ever condone or advocate any kind of internet uh, I think that's your evil cousin, uh, Lean Bailey. 
Yeah, and Lean Bailey is the one that always he's he's pirating all the time. I go over to his house and he's got the hook and he's like, "Ah, guess what I just got? I got a copy of Scanners, yar!" You know, and and I'm, I have to put him back in the cage and and he keeps getting sued by the RAA and or the RIAA. Rather, the RAA is the RAA is the RIAA in Lane's Earth to um, existence. So, all right, shoot me and stop me now. Okay. <laughs> Stop babbling now. Let's move on to the next yeah. topic. Something that you want to talk about was the Black Lantern stories. Yeah, Black Lantern Superman. Uh, I, I know you haven't read it yet, but uh, I just wanted to give it a shout-out because uh, James Robinson has had an on-again, off-again love-hate relationship with me because he, he tells a great character uh, tale, but he, he, he tends not to have too much story in there. And uh, the annual, the Superman annual, and the Black Lantern Superman story um, tends to have a bit of a linear plot with those character touches, so it actually works, and it's been rocking me, rocking my face pretty good. Um, and just, I, if you guys haven't read it, you know, plug your ears for a minute, but it's got uh, creepy Black Lantern Superman and Black Lantern Lois and Black Lantern um, Zor-El, and that's just stuff. You're sitting there like, oh, this can't go well. This can't. It, it, the whole event is really blowing me away. And the fact that they decided to let Superman feature prominently is important to me. Okay, cool. And uh, so do you think you need to read the other Black Lantern, um, like the main uh, crossover or event of Black Lantern stories to understand where Black Lantern Superman number one is coming from? Or can you read it as a standalone um, issue? Yeah, you kind of you kind of have to have a little bit of context, but that's nothing that Wikipedia can't provide in a few seconds. Basically, what you need to know, and Jeff Johns has said in interviews, he wants it to be accessible to people who haven't been reading it, and it is. You know, it's like if you jumped into Superman in 1991, you'd be like, why does Lex Luthor have red hair and that's long, and why is why is there a Superman clone running around and and what happened to Lex Luthor's brain? You know that kind of thing. But the, th the reality is, it's just a few questions away from understanding pretty much anything, and what you should judge it on is story quality. Mm -hmm. um, and the concept, the concept behind the Green Lantern's uh, Blackest Night is that basically there are rings of all colors of the spectrum, and they all represent an emotion, which is pretty well you can infer that reading Blackest Night number one, um, and that Black Lanterns are obviously dead guys who come back to life and want to kill everybody in order to make the universe at peace. It's pretty easy to infer. Um, I think what you might need to read in order to better appreciate Blackest, Light, Blackest Night is not necessarily the Green Lantern books, but uh, Infinite Crisis, because it brings back um, the Lois Lane and Cal-El from that series as established in modern continuity. So. Okay. Okay, interesting. All right, well, um, what have you thought of the Wednesday Comics Weekly series? You know, I have yet to read it. I'm going to wait for it mm. to be collected up. I, I previewed two of them. Um, and I uh, read them, and it seemed like something that was just a bit too slow-paced for me. Um, it's the same reason why I stopped getting the newspaper and stopped reading Garfield and Dilbert for that very reason. I mean, they're cool, but, you know, you buy the collected trades and you have a much, much better experience, and it's very it's very set in its, in its limited uh, scope. So I, I, the art is great and well worth looking at, but it's something that I think I could wait for a trade for because there's no urgency to it. Yeah, I understand that. Um, you know, I tend to sometimes get my comics uh, not necessarily weekly. I sometimes get them two or three weeks apart, and so right. having a couple of issues on hand uh, does make it easier to, to read those stories because you remember what the last chapter was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, daily comic strips in a newspaper are all well and good, and but weekly kind of stretches the uh, time limit uh, between them, especially when you've got what is it, 15 or something different um, stories to follow each week throughout the whole uh, Wednesday comics issue. Um, Superman has kind of been a bit, you know, um, hard to follow. It's not... Uh, you, you just look at Superman thinking, why is he not understanding the fact that these creatures are reading his mind? And right. um, uh, he seems to be a bit, um, bit slow on the uptake. But uh, the Supergirl comic strip is a lot of fun, a bit uh, silly, but... Um, it's intended that way, and it is uh, quite a fun read. Uh, others in the uh, Wednesday Comics publication that have caught my eye, the Adam Strange uh, strip is pretty good. Uh, Hawkman one's pretty good. Uh, the one that I've disliked is the Wonder Woman strip. It's just very hard to follow, um, very cryptic, and uh, Wonder Woman seems confused, and she seems young, and you know this is like a almost like an origin story for her, but. The, the thing that's hardest to read about is that the the actual panels don't seem to flow well. You don't know whether you're supposed to be going left to right or up to up and down, and 
it's uh, very, very confusing in the way that it's laid out. And, uh, uh, yeah, just uh, actually gives you a bit of a... A bit of a headache trying to read it, just trying to follow it. It's like uh, you roll your eyes when you come come to the Wonder Woman page. But uh, other than that, uh, the rest of the stories seem to be going along pretty nicely. The uh, Metal Men one is going well. Um, you know, the artwork is great on many of the strips. So uh, yeah, I don't know how they'll be collecting it in a trade. Whether they'll do continue it as a a large format or whether they'll obviously maybe and pro- probably make sense to shrink it down uh, into a more accessible. Uh, trade paperback uh, collection, so you know, uh, yeah, it's not too bad. I'm I'm just utterly amazed that they didn't take. You see, they kind of took a step backwards to a degree, and and granted, it was for nostalgia, but they were like, let's make a newspaper version of our famous comic book characters and do them in one-offs in ways that are creative and inspirational. And they they put it in this large format, and they sell it for you know, I guess a reasonable price, but. Um, what they could have done is they could have popped it online and used it as an experimental limited run. They're doing 12 issues. Well, hey, you can get one for a buck. You get 12 bucks. You're, you pay 10 bucks. You get all 12 or something like that, you know? And and they're small enough that you could see them on a screen without it being impaired by the way the comic books, um, uh, or so Lane has told me, are, um, are impaired by looking at them on a screen because you have to arrow up or arrow down. Yeah, well, and you could get that experience, and, and it could be a way for them to try and push things forward a little bit. Well, I guess they've done that in a way by using the Superman strip on USA Today's website. Um, they yeah. made it accessible to people for free online, so that they can get a taste of what reading a comic strip is like, and you know maybe you know want to jump on and uh, to their local comic shop and pick up the actual publication to read all the other strips in there. Uh, probably wasn't the best choice, uh, Superman, not not Superman, but the actual story that's being told. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess they're probably looking at more motion comics to jump online as an online experience for reading comics rather than a comic strip. But, um, yeah, yeah, they're getting a, a taste of both worlds, I guess, by putting USA Today's um, publication, uh, publishing the Superman comic on that website. Yeah, that's what made it made it occur to me because it seemed like the response to that was pretty much bigger than the whole response to the to the to the Wednesday comics. You know, yeah. it was it, everybody that saw it was like, "Hey, this is a really cool idea." Whoa, that's kind of you know, Superman. You know, like there used to be the old Spider-Man strip, and uh, people still dig that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, something for them to think about. Now, uh, before we move on to talking about TV stuff, uh, you wanted to talk about the who's who in the Superman comics that. Uh, is an updated feature we're about to launch on the Superman homepage. Yes, it's going to be slow going at first, but it's going to build up fast. And what I uh, what I wrote in the introduction, which you can probably find online by now, is that uh, basically we were trying to revamp the who's who for about I don't know four to four to six years, honestly, because after Birthright, um, everything was quote unquote inaccurate. Um, because there was a whole new universe where Superman was a vegetarian and had Superman super soul vision, or, you know, what have you. Um, and then came New Earth after the Infinite Crisis, which was, God, almost three years ago now, and that makes me realize time is passing very fast. But anyway, the point being, all of the information would become defunct, and we wouldn't have the time to update it, and it was very, very frustrating. And then we'd go to Wikipedia, and we'd say, oh, hey, Wikipedia is doing it better. And I was trying to think with, with Steve, with you brainstorming how, how to make it better, and one thing that occurred to me is that Wikipedia is very long and detailed, and that Wikipedia is also subject to public editing, meaning that there's no editorial presence, which is one of the biggest complaints about Wikipedia that I happen to agree with, even though I use it as a great resource and, and don't malign the site. Um, so I was thinking maybe an editorially driven who's who that comes out once a week and reflects a lot of the uh, comics that are coming out. Like, for instance, this week there's a monel based annual, so I'll do the monel entry, which you'll see. Um, and then you guys can send in your own entries, and we'll give it a little editorial tweak if it needs it, and give you credit, and we'll have a Superman-based, Superman-focal kind of wiki that continues and edits and self-references through links, but is a little bit more concise and a little bit more user-friendly than, say, like the Wikipedia version, which references Bob Cobb, which is something I hadn't even heard of when, when talking about Mon-El. When you, when you read about Mon-El, you want to know that basically he comes from Daxum, he was rocketed to Smallville, met with Clark, and now he's a hero in Metropolis. You want the bare bones so that you can understand how he got to where he is if you're, say, reading the action co- or the the Superman comic where he appears and, and where he comes from. 
And uh, a who's who's entry that briefly brings you into that but gives you more options to explore seems more utilitarian for a Superman website than Wikipedia. So to make a long story short, that's the new feature. Feel free to contribute or say if I get something wrong. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think it will be a, uh, a welcome uh, update to the website. The who's who, you know, not for what lack of trying, has just sat there because we just didn't know whether or not, uh, you know, things were going to be uh, still in continuity, whether the story was, you know, a reference to previous uh, burn era stuff. You know, we didn't, it was very difficult to decide exactly what was going on, but now with Superman's Secret Origin um, about to be released, we're hoping that it will be a more concise and uh, clear, um, you know, avenue for the characters and, and their history. And, uh, you know, Jeff Johns did a great uh, thing with the Toy Man and uh, Brainiac, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, we're hoping to, you know, be able to reference and catalogue uh, the updates for those characters without giving you too much uh, extraneous detail that you don't need to know about, but that you want to know, you know, you see a character like Mirabai in the comics and you want to know what's her story, where does she come from, what is what is her background, and um, that will give you a leg up into understanding where you are with the Superman comics that you're reading at the time without having to invest 20 years of history into finding out who that character was and uh, where she came from or he came from. It's also helpful, I think, if we update it weekly as opposed to in great every once in a while in a great big chunk. Because weekly, you know, we can say, okay, this month Monel was punched in the face by a midget, and we can add that to the uh, who's who, you know, and we could just add the events of each uh, each month as they come out, as long as it fits into the more general description. Yeah, and the existing uh, who's who will remain on the website uh, in an archived position for people who want to know, say. Um, you know, who was a, a certain character doesn't really necessarily show up in Superman comics. I mean, you know, we from time to time pick up old issues or back issues in a in a sales bin, and you want to know, you know, who was Seratak. And um, you know, obviously Seratak doesn't exist in in our comics at the moment. Uh, God knows if he'll ever come back. But you'll want to <laughs> maybe uh, you know find find out who that character was. And those uh, who's who uh, profiles will remain there on the website. But the the current way that we'll be doing the who's who will be about uh, the current comics and uh, those characters and where they uh, where they come from. And there there is a section for the uh, previous history, and my goal is to take the old who's who and incorporate as much of it as I can, uh, unless it's just completely unrelated. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's move into the TV discussions, and uh, Smallville Season 9 is just around the corner, September 25th. Remember, it's a Friday now. Uh, is the new uh, with the season nine premiere date for uh, our US uh, listeners on the CW and uh, CW released a Smallville pro- promo which was very similar in context to what was released at the San Diego Comic Con showed much of uh, the similar uh, footage and uh, what did you think of that uh, promotional video? I actually thought it was pretty cool looking. It was, you know, they were talking about how it was going to be an optimistic season, and I'm like, uh oh no, <laughs> you know, but uh, Metallo's looking pretty cool. Um, the Wonder Twins having the skate punk is just hilarious for anybody who's been reading my reviews <laughs> because I keep making the joke about how they're going to bring a hip skateboarding kid to the, uh, to the show to make it all 90s, but. Uh, uh, Poochie, yeah, Poochie has come to Smallville if you're a Simpsons follower, but. Uh, um, it's 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 making me optimistic. I I have hope. I always go in with hope, and it's the first season that I'm going to do without notes. So maybe I can enjoy it a little more without paying a little bit uh, of attention to all the details. We shall see. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, Calum Blue uh, seems to be doing a very good uh, Zod in that promo video. Uh, yeah, for, for a second there, I actually thing? thought it might have been uh, Terrence Stamp's <laughs> voice, but uh, you know, I was I was surprised. I didn't think they were going to go that route because I, you know, like when when you listen to the when you watch the Lex episode, he's just talking in normal English, you know, and you you wouldn't imagine they'd have British people on Krypton, but he was he was just, Neil, you know, and, and and I was like, what? I almost wet my pants a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he seems like a, a very intense kind of character, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do that whole you know Major Zod thing before he becomes General Zod and uh, the oh, yeah. flashbacks to Krypton and. Whether or not that will work, but uh, he seems to be cast well in the in the role, and um, we've also as long got, as it's uh, not emo dupes. Yeah, well, we've also got uh, Roulette uh, coming, and uh, I just saw that uh, who that who they've cast in that uh, in that position, and uh, as you said, you got um, Metallo, and 
you know, I, well, they're not actually the Wonder Twins, but uh, Twyla and Tanner are the characters' names. <laughs> seem to be, uh, you know, a kind of a throwback to the Wonder Twins or an homage to the the, the Wonder Twins. But uh, I'm just, I'm surprised because didn't they already do the Wonder Twins in that? Uh, I think it was the second season or second episode of season six or whatever. I can't remember, but like they had uh, Lex's uh, Lex's little evil Justice League that he sends to Tess Clark, and they've got the two bald albino guys who put oh, their okay. fists together, and it makes the elect. You remember that? Yeah, I do vaguely. Yeah, it was like, and, and they were like, "Yeah, this is this is Smallville's answer to the Wonder Twins." Like, um, like Red Kryptonite was supposed to be their answer to Bizarro, and then they do Bizarro like three years later. But yeah, well, yeah. and the same with Supergirl. Remember, we had uh, girl show up that mm-hmm. was Kara, and then ended up being just a dead girl being brought. Well, back yeah, to same with Zod. I mean, it's like the, Zod. They played the concept out. Now they're gonna try and come back to it because yeah. they're they, they're kind of literally out of mythos, and it's the Superman mythos. It's so huge, you know. Well, that's but, the thing. They're trying to bring so much into it, into it before he is actually Superman that it's kind of, yeah. uh, you know, they, they can play with it as they wish, I guess. But, um, you know, uh, they're not really the Wonder Twins. They're not even twins at all. One's 19, one's 18, so we're a year <laughs> apart. But um, it's, uh, it's obviously, like I said, uh, paying tribute to those characters in a way. So we'll see. Yeah. Wait and see how they turn out. And uh, we'll wait and see what uh, the trench coat costume for Clark is. Uh, how long that sticks around and why he <laughs> chose to go with those colours and that scheme. Um, he needs guns. Lots of guns. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do with uh, Season 9 of Smallville. And, uh, you know, it is looking promising. There are a lot of uh, advancements and, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's always interesting to see where they go. Let's just hope that they don't disappoint yeah, I think that uh, it, it, there's a pretty good chance that, given that they that they have got pretty much one more season, I guess, based on ratings, they're probably going to try either pull out all the stops or stick with the status quo. Who knows? Yeah, well, uh, in other TV news, we've got a lot of DVDs coming out uh, with uh, from some Superman TV or cartoon series being released on TV, and um, you'll hear a collective hooray from uh, a lot of people when uh, they found out that the Ruby Spears 1988 Superman cartoons were finally being released on DVD this year. Now, this is one that I, ha- you know, I a lot of people are very, very excited about it. I have not seen these ones. The ones that I kind of grew up with were the uh, were the ones with the dark side. You know, the the, the, the kind of one that was that 87. Oh, okay. You talking about yeah. the Justice League, or are you talking about yeah. the... Yeah, okay. like 1987, I think it was. Okay, yeah. Or well, 1986. Yeah, the uh, 1988 Superman Ruby Spears cartoons were uh, very much the um, the burn era of um, Superman comics. Uh, Lex Luthor was a businessman, uh, no longer a crazed scientist. And uh, it uh, had a very mature um, uh, animation about it in regards to the style of, of drawing and uh, had some great segments you know looking back at superman's origin um and the you know the the whole family uh, album thing so that was a it was a series that i caught on with late from uh, repeat showings on tv and uh, have most of them on you know old vhs recordings but uh it'll be great to see them finally released to dvd and uh looking forward to that release yeah, I'm surprised because I hadn't heard very much about this. I probably confused it with um, with other series that had come out, but I, I haven't heard very much about it at all until recently. And, and people are like, "No, no, this is like the Holy Grail of Superman cartoon, Sex to Justice League." And I'm like, "Oh, really? Yeah, okay, so that, that's pretty cool." And uh, talking about Justice League and Superman the animated series, both of those are being released in complete sets on DVD. Uh, that's the complete run of Superman the animated series from the 2000s. And uh, the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited series uh, released in one box set uh, of all those episodes together in one collection. So, you know, if you hadn't picked up the season uh, box sets, this is the way to go because, uh, you know, you can get the whole lot in one one lot, one go. Yeah, that'll be nice. I can't wait. I just started watching the uh, Superman animated series because I had my uh, little cousins over, and uh, you forget just how well it encapsulates the uh, essence of Superman and sets so that kids can enjoy it and gives adults a good explanation, too, because the... the that their father was like, oh, hey, oh, well, you know, this is actually, I understand this, and I'm usually not someone to even look at a comic book movie, and I'm like, hey, okay. Yeah, no, cool. the Superman the Animated Series was uh, was fantastic. It uh, brought back uh, memories of the Fleischer cartoons, which, uh, 
you know, were some of the, the are, well, are some of the best Superman cartoons you'll ever get to see uh, in regards to the animation and the lighting and uh, even, you know, okay, the stories are very simplified, but uh, they're so stylized that they're just fantastic. Where the Super Friends cartoons animation was quite stilted and nowhere near as graceful as yeah. the uh, the uh, Fleischer cartoons were, and they were, you know, 30 years apart. So, um, yeah, the Superman the Animated Series, a great series. I uh, really loved them when they were released in, uh, you know, from 2000 onwards. So uh, it's a great collection to get now that they're coming out in a complete series pack. So uh, look for that later. I think it's in November, both the Justice League and the Superman Animated Series complete collections are out in November. So look for those at all good and bad DVD stores. <laughs> all right, well, uh, movie news. Um, Rumour and speculation were going around that James McTeague, who I didn't realise is an Australian director, but uh, he was rumoured to be um, you know, s- someone that they were looking at to direct a future Superman movie, uh, and the Wachowski brothers were supposedly producers. But um, James McTeague kind of flamed those rumours a little bit when asked about his... Uh, involvement in a new Superman movie, he kind of didn't say yes or no, but uh, also then gave his opinion to Splash TV, uh, MTV Splash page, um, in regards to uh, what he would do and his opinion on Superman, and um, kind of flamed those rumours a little bit, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure, I've never really seen, i never heard of James McTeague until these rumours started coming around. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of him either. Is he, uh, does it seem like it's something that might happen, or is it just more like what uh, Mark Miller did, where he's like, yes, I've already signed him, we have three actors, you know, like where he's kind of playing it up so that the studio will buy it? Hard to, hard to know, really, because uh, I just saw an, a second um, MTV splash page um, segment of that interview with him released just today as we're recording this, so it'll be a few days or a couple of days since uh, this is being released on the website. And he's talking again about, you know, making Superman darker, which is kind of uh, poo-pooed the uh, idea of him, you know, being involved because I don't think that, you know, it's it's not the way to go for Superman. Why does everybody him. say that? I don't know. I just don't get it. But uh, it frustrates the hell out of me. And to hear that somebody who's supposedly rumoured to be involved towing that same crappy line just... It's brainless. It's like, you know, every time you watch the Kevin Smith documentary, he's like, Superman, he's a killer. You know, he's like, no. Yeah, <laughs> That's uh, the... I, I don't get oh. it. I, it's like, I just, I mean, as great as The Dark Knight was, I kind of wish it didn't happen for Superman because of the fact that everyone seems to think that, oh, The Dark Knight was the best way, you know, that's the way to go, and that's what you've got to do for superhero movies from now on. And, yes, it's good for Batman, but it's, it's Superman is not Batman. You can make Superman angry. There's nothing wrong with making Superman angry. Lots of things will make him pretty hacked off. But the idea is that he starts from a place of innocence, not a place of bitterness. His his catharsis is that his planet is dead, not that his parents are dead. I mean, even though his parents dying were influential, he does things because it's the right thing to do. I Batman see. does it because it needs to be done. I mean, even that whole thing about his planet being dead, I mean, he didn't know this until he was... You know, a lot in his young teenage years, he grew up yeah. thinking he was a normal kid in Smallville. You know, he didn't. He's he a happy a normal, guy. He had a normal teenage and normal childhood, and it wasn't until he, you know, things started happening that he realised he was a bit different. That, you know, the whole story came out. But he's not, you know, crying over the fact that Krypton died and you know Krypton had exploded and that his parents are dead. Yes, of course, it's a a huge thing in his life when he does find out. But he's grown up as a well-adjusted young adult and um yeah. you know that's the whole reason that superman is the way he is is because he grew up with such a great upbringing that he knows that he has to use his powers for the right reasons yeah it's it's just it's, it's and it's so fundamentally it's even people who have never really been into the comics you, you ask them you, you know i talk to them at cons when i when i go to varying cons and they're like so you think you need to see a darker superman i've never had come up someone come up to me and say hey man you know what superman needs he needs to be darker he needs to be more angry he needs to be like batman it's just this weird left field thinking and it seems to come up with every director or writer or uh, someone who gets close to a shot at the at, at superman script it's just because they crazy. don't they don't understand it's 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 an easy way out it's like you make Superman, you know, you get somebody to kill somebody that's close to Superman, he gets angry and he wants to get revenge. You know, it's that whole 
um, you know, anti-hero thing that they want to try to do, the Punisher idea, the Batman idea. It's just, it, yeah. it's not Superman. Yeah. You know, get like, over it. It's do Superman the way he's supposed to be done or don't do him at all. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Well, that's, you know, you can obviously tell that it gets... Yeah, it gets as far... Well, it got, I started it. I was like... <laughs> I mean, it gets... It, it, especially when you spend all day kind of immersed in Superman with the Superman website, and, and you know that there's nobody out there that's like, hey, let's just make him darker, you know? Yeah. It, Look, it just seems know, so self I'm far, It's far from me to say that I understand Superman or that, you know, that I, the way I think Superman is the right way. Everyone's got their own version of Superman in their mind. Your idea of Superman is, you know... They're probably similar to mine, but it's still different. Everyone's got a different idea of what Superman is and how he should be done. So it's far from me to say that, you know, my idea of Superman is the right way and, you know, that somebody else's idea is the wrong way. But when you spend, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day on Superman, you kind of get an idea of what the uh, overall uh, fandom wants for Superman. Not saying that everybody's the same. I mean, look at Smallville, look at Superman Returns. It's you know split the the fandom down the down the middle and uh, there's a lot of you know opposing points of view but you know a dark Superman is not what Superman is yeah. about and I think ninety percent of people would under, would agree with that. Well, and even Smallville has managed to say mostly positive. I mean, it only becomes mildly negative in a lot of respects and it's usually oriented around Superman being driven to kill or Superman having premarital sex or Superman doing things that are way out of character like taking drugs and going to Metropolis for an entire summer, you know. But even those, comparatively, are usually when he's in an altered frame of mind or when he can't help himself as much as he could. Yep. And... Just to make him arbitrarily into a tough guy is kind of like making, uh, I don't know, I guess it's making making the job... There, there are whole papers written about how Superman is kind of kind of supposed to be a, a mock on the modern man because of the way that, um, the way that, that it depicts um, Clark Kent is the disguise. He's trying to be like us, so he puts on glasses and acts nerdish, nerdish and oafish and, and ineffective with women, and that's supposed to be the nerd culture, etc., or whatever. Who cares? But the point being, um, he's he's not like that in in terms of like what he becomes, mm. who he is, what he means to everybody. I just um, it, it, the Smallville thing has been an attempt to take that nerdy guy and turn him into the coolness that Superman is, and they do it in dark ways sometimes, so that so it only works half the time. If you were to make Clark Kent, a, a, a rough and tough kind of guy who can take out anybody. And if you make Superman someone who kills, or someone who who basically uses uh, all the force necessary to destroy people, uses that Batman, I don't have to save you attitude, and then throws him off the train and the train explodes, it's just not going to be Superman. It may make a lot of money, I won't deny that, because people paid, what, a couple hundred million to see Transformers. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily the right direction. All right, well, moving on to movie discussions that uh, uh, of a more smaller screen variety. Superman, Batman, Public Enemies um, is not too far away. And uh, from, you know, all the new interviews and, uh, you know, uh, imagery that we've seen, it still promises to be a great uh, version of that uh, story by um, Jeff Loeb and uh, Ed McGuinness. Yeah, I can't wait to see it, actually. I'm, it's the first one in a while since Doomsday that I've been like, yeah, I'm going to get that right when it comes out. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, that's not too far away, and uh, we're hoping to get some interviews with some of the voice cast, so uh, stay, stay tuned for uh, more interviews with Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, um, people, members of the cast there. So uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on before we move on to the big question segment of the show is the Seagull and DC Comics court battle over the rights to Superman. In recent times, the judge awarded the Seagulls with the rights to Action Comics number 4, which has a lot more of the Superman origin story um, than Action Comics number 1 did, and uh, it's uh, interesting times ahead. Yeah, I, who knows where it'll end up. I don't think that these worst-case scenarios everybody's talking about will come to pass, where it's like, there's no Krypton in the movie, or there's no Krypton in the comics, if they got around Superboy, you know? Yeah. But, uh... I think a healthy chunk of change is going to go towards them. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, uh, the the people say, oh, they've got the rights to Superman. Well, it's, you know, no, they don't. There's, um, you know, there's a two-part thing. that's Siegel and the Schuster, and Schuster's side don't have those rights yet. 
um, the Seagulls have the rights to Action Comics number one and Action Comics number four, and what are the, what is in, encased in those issues, as well as some of the uh, I believe the Sunday you know and uh, daily strips from the newspapers of those early um, strips. But um, you know just how much of the Superman mythos is encased in those issues and in those strips is yet to be decided, and the Seagulls will only own, uh, I believe, you know, their portion of that. The Schuster side of things is still to be decided, so DC still owns the Schuster side of things at the moment. But uh, there's also the whole issue of trademark, you know. I mean, we're talking about copyright in these court dealings. Trademark is a whole other area, and uh, so it, it's very complicated and very involved, and I don't think it's going to be decided in any rush, and I don't think that even when the court rulings come out, that there isn't going to be any definitive, um, you know, uh, line in the sand. It's going to be, you know, a long process, and there'll be probably a lot of, um, you know, dealings and and, um, and and you know under the table stuff that we just don't know about. Uh, I'm sure some kind of settlement has to come uh, between the two yeah. parties because it just can't drag on. I think it, it, to, if if I understand this correct, and tell me if I'm crazy, but say I create Super Duper Man and I get the uh, and I get a comic company, BC, say, to uh, represent it, and they want to print it, um, they pay me, say, $150 for the copyright of Super Duper Man. Then they print Super Duper Man. And then every time they print Super Duper Man from then on, they have to pay a set amount to retain the copyright that they purchased from me. Um, it's, it, I think it's like repeat rights or something like that. But a trademark is like the brand, That's Superman, right. and everything associated with it. Yes. Um, so if you own the copyright... All of the things that you've created for Superman, you would get paid for every time they were put out. But the trademark, like, say, Superman and the planet Krypton and everything that evolves from it still belongs to the parent company. Is that is that a good layaway to put it? Well, in some ways, if you look at the symbol, the S symbol, at the moment, if you look on your posters or things that you've got around your house, that's got a little TM next to it. That is trademarked. It's the brand. Right. Uh, the word Superman, you know, that 3D Superman, you know, on, like a, on an arc, uh, yeah. that is a trademark symbol. So that's that's what I'm talking about. They're, they're, they're trademark symbols. The, um, um, the name Superman is copyrighted and is uh, the, the Krypton and all those kind of story elements are part of the copyright. But the, the branding, the, um, the, you know, the logo, that's trademark. Um, so there is a lot of... And I don't understand it. I'm not a no copyright, no trademark expert. I'm just going based off my layman's term understandings of uh, of the whole process. And that's you know I might be totally wrong in what I've said, but that's the way I understand it. All right. Well, we'll keep trying to figure it out for you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very uh, very confusing, and uh, you know even the legal eagles are um, you know scratching their heads over this. So uh, remains to be seen exactly what will happen. But uh, don't panic. I'm sure they will still get your fix of Superman comics on a weekly basis. All right, let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Well, it looks like last month's question was, what do you think of Clark's trench coat costume for Season 9 of Smallville? Yeah, we asked a lot of people what your thoughts were on the costume that you saw in the Comic-Con trailer and now in the, uh, the actual released CW promo for Season 9. And we've got a few responses. The first one was Calvin Bowes, who wrote, At least he's finally sporting the S. Hopefully this means we are in the last season, but I'm a traditionalist. Red, yellow, and blue. There is no substitute. I really want him to sport the real costume, not a cheap imitation. This show either needs him to become Superman or go away. Stop teasing us with something unless you intend to resolve it. I think the black suit is okay, but it is not Superman, and this needs to truly become a Superman show. Do it in this season and then say goodbye, please. Tim Murphy wrote, I kind of like Clark costume on Smallville. It feels like a Smallville interpretation of the black recovery suit, which I think is pretty cool. I just hope they don't explain it as Clark is upset, so he wears black. There should be a reason the red-blue blur goes black and silver. Yeah, that's an I interesting agree. point. Yeah, I, I definitely think that it needs, you know, we need to see why he chose the look that he's gone with. So uh, let's hope that they address that in the first few episodes of Smallville. Okay, Bork from Ork wrote, Clark wearing at least an early prototype for the Superman costume is very satisfying for me after all this waiting. I was thrilled to see the S-Shield, not just a painted red S or some creepy-looking scar that Jarrell carved into his flesh. As for the Neo coat, it only makes sense that it's black since Clark's regular clothes have been red and blue for all these years. Hopefully he'll also get those gosh-darn glasses at last. 
and they better show this costume more than once so it won't be like the flying in season four. <laughs> so, yeah, the glasses. You know, if they go the entire show without the glass, uh, I give up. Mikey B <laughs> wrote, I, I like the suit. I think it fits in perfectly with the Smallville universe. I think at this point it would make less sense to have a traditional suit being that the Smallville universe has made so many changes to the generally accepted mythos. If nothing else, it seems like a better idea than the red-blue bowler. Well, I don't know. Red-blue versus a black suit. Who knows? Yeah, uh, well, okay. Dave Lewis wrote, Hey, guys, in response to the last latest question, I'm not crazy about the black suit with the light blue S. I think I, I guess since Clark was in such a dark place at the end of last season, they chose to give him a give him a dark look. Maybe he'll snap out of it and they'll do a red blue suit like they should. Anyway, love the show and keep up the great work. Well, thanks, Dave. Appreciate the comments. Yeah, thanks. Mario A. Lopez wrote, "I really like the new costume that Clark will be wearing. It gave me chills to finally see the S symbol on his chest. It makes sense that the costume is dark since Clark has been in a dark place since the death of Jimmy." Er. Henry Olsen. It would be great if Clark will sport the iconic glasses this season as well. I'm really excited about season 9 and look forward to hearing your thoughts about it. Yeah, very interesting that uh, it's two comments about the uh, the glasses, the spectacles. Uh, so we'll wait and see uh, how they address that or if they address that at all in season 9. But uh, some excellent comments there from everybody in regards to the trench coat costume for season 9. Well, thanks again. And here is our new big question. Neil, you want to tell them what it is? Sure. What do you like or dislike most about the Superman homepage? And if the answer of dislike is Neil Bailey, I will be reading your response in a funny voice. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's it's something that we don't ask a lot. Um, you know, we just want to know whether or not uh, you're liking what we're doing, what it is you're liking most about the website. Uh, if there's something you dislike, let us know. You know, we're always uh, open to constructive criticism. Don't just bash and say I hate the website without saying why. Uh, you know, what you hate. Just let us know what it is you dislike, and uh, hopefully we can take those you know, comments on board and, and fix things and make things better. Both barrels! Give us both barrels! Yes, yeah, so uh, send in your comments, and we'll endeavour to use those suggestions to improve the website uh, in whatever way we can. The Resistance needs a morale boost. We can't just pretend it never happened. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to think about it right now. Did you think about that? Hey, come on now, back off. We're all going through the same stuff. Ugh, shut it, Tim. What the hell do you know? A new ally is acquired. This man is not to be trusted. I believe you're wrong. You can't- I spoke with him. He has willingly consented to the use of your lasso, if you must. You're damned right I must. I have nothing to hide. Cracks begin to show in Zod's armor. Is this what you signed up for? Is this what you wanted? Your creations being used to kill people, to subjugate free will, to silence dissenting voices. All shall kneel before Zod. And Luther rallies the troops. My friends, I come before you today not as your leader, but as your brother, in spirit, in arms, in blood. We have struck many heavy blows to the despot Zod. We have evaded his thug Martian and disabled his toy cyborg. We have struck him in the heart of his own palace. Ex-Tempest sprints towards the finish and Superman, the last son of Krypton, issue 56, on August 26, 2009. Only at PendantAudio.com. For Kara and Kal-El, nothing is as it should be. So let me get this straight. Zod won. We're in a world where Zod won. This planet never had a chance. So you agree that Zod's influence on this world must come to an end. It should never have happened in the first place. Alliances are formed. Why have you come to me? To tell you that we have found Kal-El and Kara Zor-El. And they will fight with you? Yes. Will you? And broken. The Resistance. Tell me about it. The Resistance? Ah! The Resistance, Selina Kyle! And Zod prepares to crush his opponents once and for all. I take it then your new power source is strong enough. Man, is it ever. I feel like a million bucks. X-Tempest continues in Supergirl, 
Lost Daughter of Krypton, coming August 26th at PendantAudio.com. Bailey's Bookshelf Time. Now here we are again with Michael Bailey, who is reviewing another trade paperback. Uh, so let's go over and cross over to Mike now. Bailey! Welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the monthly feature here on Radio KAL, where I walk over to the bookcase, pick out a Superman Trader hardcover, and give you a little five-minute lesson on it. This month, I chose one of the weirder books in my collection. Superman, They Save Luther's Brain! Yeah, I had to say it like that came out in February of 2000, just in time for Luther to be elected president. This is an odd collection, mainly because it is a mixtape of a trade, or I guess playlist would be the modern equivalent of that term, because instead of reprinting a storyline, or just like a, a, a chunk of a series, this book presents a series of stories that explain how Lex Luthor went from billionaire secret villain to posing as his own son in a cloned body. The books reprinted in this trade include Superman number 2, bits of Action Comics number 600 and Superman number 19, as well as Action 660, 668, 670 to 673, and 676 to 678. It also lists Superman number 21, in the uh, little reprint section, but I can't find any material from that issue in that collection, so I might be missing it. That's, that's entirely possible. In this trade, you will read how Lex Luthor obtained his kryptonite ring, how that ring wound up not only costing him his hand, but his life as well, how Lex was on the road to death, and how he was reborn as his own son in that previously mentioned clone body. Between these chapters, there are little text pieces that give you some insights into Lex's thoughts and sometimes his feelings on Superman. I, I really like this trade, mainly because I found the concept of Luther having a clone made and then having his brain put in that clone like 16 different kinds of awesome. There's a certain creepy element to that, too, because it basically made Lex Luthor immortal, so long as his brain would hold out. And from 1992 to 1994, this was the Lex Luthor that was walking around the Superman books. He was a young, good-looking kid, and had a head full of flowing red hair that was very important to him, by the way. He was also Australian. And I, and I have to wonder if that had anything to do with the fact that Luther wanted Australia as a prize in Superman 2, and that's why they had Lex concoct the, you know, had the kid with Gretchen Kelly, and then that kid was raised by a family in Australia, which really and truly kind of mirrors Superman in a way, you know, born one place, raised in another, even though this was a fictitious background. In any case, this Luther is part of my favorite eras in Superman history, and I fully admit that this is a very, very biased opinion. I do remember wondering at the time when all of this was coming out what the creative people involved were thinking of when they conceived of this story. It's a little out there, even for a Superman character, but it did involve Dabney Donovan and tied indirectly into Cadmus, and because I liked Cadmus, I was pretty much down with it. The cover to this collection is made up to look like a horror movie poster from the 50s, complete with Lois and Jimmy looking on in shock and horror. And between that and the great title for this trade, this is one book I can definitely recommend if you want to experience or re-experience the stories that revealed how they saved Luther's brain. Last time, I promise. Well, that's it for this month. Come back next time when I will have another Superman Trader hardcover to discuss. And now, back to Stephen Neal. Thanks, Mike. And let's move on to the next segment of the show. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman. And that's you. Super secret soundbite time. Ah, uh, let's see. We got the uh, last one sound? Yeah. What was it from? Well, uh, last month's sound, it came from the second episode of Season 5, which was titled Mortal. And uh, there were eight correct entries sent in. And who were those 
eight people, Neil. Yeah. Well, we got uh, Jim Bennett, Nelda Mormon, Guthrie McLean, Stephen Holmes, a man near and dear to my heart. I know him well. Sammy J. Maynard II, Mario Lopez, Ismael Perez, and Jonathan Zock. Congratulations, guys. Yes, well done, everybody, for guessing that episode. Uh, here is the new sound. Let's see if those people and others can guess which episode of Smallville this sound comes from. Lex, why does your father hate you so much? So there you have it. Can you guess which episode of Smallville that sound came from? If you can, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Radio KAL webpage and send your entry in. We'll read out the names of every person who guesses it right in our next Radio KAL podcast. Superman song time. Mary Chapman Carpenter? Yes, that's right. We've got a song called Superman by Mary Chapman Carpenter from 2001. It's available on her CD titled Where Time Stands Still, a special collection. Uh, so here it is for those people who like a bit of a, a softer sound. Here is Superman my, by Mary Chapin Carpenter. Dressed to kill and you're Superman. 
you have it. That's the show for another month. Oh my gosh, that went fast. Actually, that took a long time, but it still went fast. <laughs> so there you have it. Uh, maybe uh, you've got some feedback for us that you'd like us to uh, to know about. Maybe there's a suggestion that you'd have for a Superman song. Uh, perhaps there's some topics you'd like Neil and I discuss in our next podcast. Maybe there's a trade paperback that you'd like Michael Bailey to review. Uh, maybe you have a big question suggestion. All these ideas can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the website with the Radio KAL announcement. So send in those uh, ideas and we'll try to use them in a future podcast. As for me, I'm done. What about you, Neil? What have you got to say for yourself? Uh, I think I'm doing all right. And you stay classy, Lane Ye Liab, the evil cousin of Neil Bailey who pirates. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. <laughs>